All right, welcome in episode 163 of Hawk Ritz Podcast, brought to you by Midtown Sports Grill, Savannah's top sports bar, one of Savannah's newest sports bars right there in Midtown Savannah on Habersham Street, 4521 Habersham Street, 912-349-6350. Midtown Sports Grill, find them on Facebook and Instagram. That's the best place to get their specials every week. They'll list the, their um, lunch specials at the beginning of every week. So you can plan out your week accordingly. Prime rib Fridays, uh, a personal favorite of mine, but also you got TVs all over the walls. Great place to watch any sports you can imagine. College world series, um, NBA draft Thursday night, Braves every single night. Obviously you got some pool tables in there, outdoor dining, trivia on Thursdays, music on Wednesdays. I could go on and on folks. Tell them when you go to Midtown Sports Grill that HGP sent you, and they will hook it up. They'll give you a little HGP, a hot grits perk. I love that joke. I'm going to stick with that bit forever. Midtown Sports Grill, our title sponsor here, 4521 Habersham Street, seven days a week, lunch and dinner, plus a full bar with daily lunch specials, live music, trivia, bingo, all sorts of things going on. Find Midtown Sports Grill right there on Facebook and Instagram. All right, let's get after it for a 163rd time. Hot Grits Podcast. I hate LeBron James. When God created Adam and Eve, the next thing he did was yell at the referee. Drop them hot grits like me, kiss like me, just like me. Nobody gonna do it like me. But first, some sports. All right, welcome in episode 163. Uh, kind of on time this week. We're getting a little better. We're getting a little better. We're still in the summer vibes uh, of trying to get these episodes in line with, really in line with the Braves and their series. Uh, if we did an episode every time the Braves won a series, we would be recording a hundred times a week. It feels like your first place Atlanta Braves folks. They are red hot. They're rolling into Philadelphia. Mike Anthony noted Philadelphia Phillies fan joins me just a second. We're going to preview um, the whole series, but just a rundown of quickly, you know, what I see from the Braves of late. Um, First, some fan graphs numbers, 99% playoff odds, 92% to win the NL East, 92% to earn a buy in the playoffs, and a 19.8% to win the World Series for the Atlanta Braves at 46 and 26. Overall, winners of six straight heading into Tuesday night's game uh, against the Phillies, the first of three with the Phillies. The Braves are plus 100 in runs scored. Plus 100 in runs and run differential. It's nuts. 33 and 13 versus the National League. Hello. 13 and 3 in the month of June. Um, and they've scored five plus runs in 13 out of the last 15. But 
They split with Philly two games and two games earlier this year. Mike and I talk about it a lot. They won't see each other again for a long time. Spencer Strider returning back after that nightmare performance in the NLDS last season. A lot coming up for the Bravos in Philadelphia Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If you're listening to this on time, it's the Tuesday game might have already passed. But still important that the Braves win a series. I believe they are 15-5, and five, if I'm not mistaken. 15-5-2, and two, I think, in series this year. Um, they're 46-26. and 26. Miami, 41-31. and 31. Philadelphia, 38-34. and 34. The Fish, man. The Fish went into, um, let's see, they went into play Monday night having won 12 of 15. Philadelphia is getting ready to host Atlanta, having won eight of its last 10. So the top three in the NL East, which does not include the Metropolitans, so, so funny. They spent all that money, and the Miami Marlins are still ahead of your New York Mets in the National League East standings. Um, like I said, Mike and I talk a lot about the Philly series, but what's been happening of late with the Braves is I think I've seen enough now to where I'm confident this is the best Braves team that I've seen ever, period, ever. No, no, no. It's only June. They haven't won Jack, so – they could well wind up being, you know, if they bow out like they did last year, first round or second round, I guess, in the new format. If the Braves don't advance in the playoffs, if they don't reach the World Series, they don't win the thing, then that conversation won't be had. But right now, 20 games over 500, plus 100 scoring differential, the best starter they have on the IL for most of the year. They just lost their six-year starting shortstop in Dansby Swanson. Who's going to leave the clubhouse? Mets spent all that money. Philadelphia got Trey Turner. Braves lost Dansby. They didn't have a closer to start the year. They're blowing saves. And all of this, and they're still 20 over 500. Everyone in this lineup is hitting. I mean, even the guys that aren't hitting are still hitting. Let that sink in for a second. Even the guys that aren't hitting are still hitting. I'll let you play with that. But I think Austin Riley probably still leaves a lot to be desired. But even he in the middle of that order, still producing. I like that Albies and Olsen have swapped. I mean, they they swapped from two and five, and that's already made a huge difference. I think before that swap even came, people knew or people felt like Albies was always a good fit in the two-hole. Um, and Olsen, you know, he's the kind of batter where you can really put him wherever you want, but at the number two spot right behind Ronnie Acuna and a rapidly heating up Michael Harris at number nine, Olsen was just not fitting there anymore, which is fine. 
Ozzy Albee's not a bad uh, replacement. Small sample size, but since they've swapped, Matt Olson from the fifth spot, 313 batting average, 813 slugging. When he was hitting in the two spot, Matt Olson, 228, 483. 228, 483 slug from the number two spot, 313 and 813 slug from the five spot. Which one's better? Which one's better? You don't have to be a math guy to figure that one out. Michael Harris, like I said, has just caught fire. I traded him in fantasy baseball too. What an idiot I am. What a dumbo I am. I traded him uh I traded him probably like two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago. And listen to these numbers. Yeah, so I traded him like three weeks ago. Listen to his last twenty two games. Almost exactly three weeks. Michael Harris, last 22 games, 326 batting average, 978 OPS. Great trade, Trav. Orlando Arcia, the shortstop that I told you guys he all was, you all wanted to doubt him. Everyone was saying he's not an everyday shortstop. He's not a replacement. He's a nice bat off the bench. No, 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 he's not that guy. He's a franchise shortstop, and I've told you that since day one. Always been an Arcia guy. Check in on Tuesday before this series with the Phillies. He's got video game numbers if you're playing um, the video game on, on like easy mode. 341 average, 398 on base, 890 OPS for your everyday starting shortstop. You want to know what kind of contract Orlando Arcia is playing on right now? Just before the start of the season, they re-signed him. Uh, in the you know in all the Braves big re-signings, they've got a lot of news nationally. Orlando Arcia certainly didn't get that. They didn't even know if he was going to make the club. Looking back, at, I mean the Braves probably did know that he was going to make the club, but we didn't know. They signed him to a three-year, seven million dollar extension. So that's what Orlando Arcia is making right now. Um, that's about it's about eight games. For Dansby Swanson, what Orlando RC is going to make this year. And I'm pretty sure the Dan's man ain't hitting 341, 398, 890 OPS. What about the Eddie? The Eddie that we all knew and love. He's back, baby. Eddie Rosario, 339 and eight Jimmies in June. 339 average, eight long balls. Seems like he hits him in the biggest of moments, too. Sean Murphy gets injured, but guess what? The Braves have one of the five best catchers in baseball, in my opinion, as their backup. They have two of the top five catchers in baseball, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, on their roster. So if Sean Murphy's out, and there is no indication as of this recording that he's going to be out for a significant period of time, even if you were to go to the IL, I would think, I would think the Braves could retroactive that to Sunday and he'll be back in less than two weeks. Might not even be that. He might be back this week in Philadelphia. But Travis Darno, I think, 
more than fills the void. Right now, the Braves really don't have a backup infielder on the roster. They did. Man, what they did to Chuck Coberson. Charlie Coberson was on the team. I think he either got called up May 6th or May 16th. Never appeared in a game. Then gets de- then gets designated on Father's Day. On Father's Day, after not playing a game, they were going to have Charlie Culberson's dad throw out the first pitch until he got DFA'd earlier that day. So they had to call Michael Harris's dad. Hey, can you drive up I-75 real quick and come throw out this first pitch? We just cut the player whose dad was going to throw it out. If I'm Chuck Culberson's dad, I'm, I'm still throwing that thing. Just because my kid gets cut doesn't mean I get cut. You know? Won't be sending me home, bro. Not if I get a shot on the rubber. Do you guys think I was going to go uh, an entire Brave segment without talking about your boy, Marcelo Zuna? Sure fucking boy. Let me give you some nugs here on Ozuna. Marcelo Zuna currently, before Tuesday, has a higher batting average than Matt Olson. He's got a higher on-base percentage than Ozzy Albies. And he's got a higher slugging percentage than Austin Riley. That's your Marcelo Zuna currently. And boy, if they get him and Eddie really rolling in that lefty-righty platoon, Braves could be really dangerous. So the backup infielder off the bench, I think for the short short term, that's fine. But that's going to have to be addressed at some point. I don't know how – I'm sure they would fill that from within. Maybe it's shoot. I mean, maybe it's, um, yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know if the Braves would make any sort of moves to address the bench at this point, unless it comes with something else. Unless it comes with a fifth starter. Unless it comes with a bullpen arm, which we've been over. Like, there are tiny little pieces the Braves need. But even when they're not playing their best, they hang around and they find ways to win. They're beating the hell out of bad teams. um, And they're about to play a pretty good Phillies team to get a good test of it. So we'll see. We'll see. I really love the way this Braves team is playing. If they can add... I keep going back to Zach Grinke. I don't know why. It's not like he's a world beater. But like if they could get... A grinky and and maybe an arm out of the Royals bullpen not named Eraldis Chapman. I'm cool with that. Like I said, I'd like to have speed off the bench in the playoffs, especially. But there aren't a lot of holes, man. There aren't a lot of holes. And that's usually a bad thing. Hee 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 hee. In this case, it's a good thing. The Braves are rolling. Let's talk to Mikey Anthony about it before the Braves take on the Phillies Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Here's intern Mike and me previewing that series.
All right, we got our resident intern, Mike Anthony, with us now. Notable Phillies fan, the only Phillies fan you know, the only Phillies fan I know, the only Phillies fan that we'll tolerate here on this podcast. Intern Mike, are uh, you ready for this series this week? Uh, I would, yeah, yeah, I am. I would imagine you would let the fanatic on, but seeing as how this is an audio-only medium, I guess he's kind of disqualified. Yeah, it's an audio. But experience. nobody dislikes the Philly fanatic. I mean, I dislike the Philly fanatic. Uh, yeah, but in a but in a love hate way. Okay. He's yeah. not objectively bad to anyone. No, yeah, like I don't. I'd be cool if he died, but I don't like want it to be like real painful. <laughs> That's yeah, no, you. You'd like to see him suffer, but not you know go away. Right, right. That's what love is, right? Yeah, exactly. I think I have that right. All right. Well, <laughs> let's um. So I talked Braves. Let's. We got to want to talk the Philly series. The Phillies are red hot coming in. The Braves are red hot coming in. Uh, the teams split two and two this season. Um, and they haven't played in a while, and they don't play again for a while. So they'll play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 640, 640, getaway day on Thursday, 105 p.m. Mike, I figured we would just start with, unless you kind of want to point to one or two things to kind of tell us how the Phillies got good. All of a sudden, um, I think we would just start with like Strider Suarez game one, and then kind of just see where see where it takes us. Yeah, I I, uh, I can't give you too much on why they're good all of a sudden, other than it's June, and that's exactly what they did last year. And, Philly, like, and June Kyle going, Schwarber is just a, a beast you don't want to mess with. Oh my god, dude, he's starting this this series is a um, two kind of unicorn leadoff hitters, huh? I mean, they're not. I wouldn't call them similar, but they're two guys that are probably not your prototypical leadoff guys. I, I agree. And I think that, uh, you know, it's just kind of the way that analytics have gone and the strategy of the game has gone in the last five to 10 years is uh, they aren't, you know, if you resurrected any manager from the fifties, they would roll over in their grave. But uh, you know, especially if you're the road team, what better way to start off a game than to have a guy in the box that, just makes the other pitcher, the entire other team antsy, which is what both those guys can do. Yeah, I think, I mean, for the Braves, it's they have enough depth in the lineup and enough, um, I, I don't know, if de- like obviously the two lineups are deep. What's the word? Diversity, I think. The Braves have a lot of diversity in their lineup in terms of like what different batters can do. I think when the Phillies lost Hoskins and then Schwarber starts slow-ish, Turner obviously starts slow. Harper on the shelf. They became a team that really didn't have guys that could get on base all of a sudden. Like Reese Hoskins, for whatever you want to say about him, his OBP was always up there. So they kind of, it sort of seemed from a distance, Mike, that they were just like – they just didn't have a lot of diversity in the lineup at first. Yeah, I think that uh, everybody knew that the on base was going to be an issue, but what they didn't figure for the first month, month and a half – was that power was going to be an issue. And you had yeah. Trey Turner slumping a lot. Uh, obviously, you you didn't have Hoskins in the lineup. Even when Harper came back earlier than expected, he's still waiting on a power stroke. I think he's uh, he's been real close. He's been driving the ball a lot, but he's, uh, I believe, sitting on three home runs as we speak right now. Um, so they've had to find other ways to do it, and it's usually amounted to smaller uh, uh, run putouts. And early in the season, the pitching wasn't getting it done, mainly the starting pitching. Now that started to come around. And I think that, uh, you know, you said diversity for the Braves, but I think that the first D word, depth, is what both these teams are using right now is uh, 
while they might not click on all cylinders every night, both of these teams right now anyways have enough guys to be able to get you in a winning position every night, which is more than a lot of teams can say. Might not yeah. always be pretty, but they've got guys to do it, whether it's the guy you envisioned in April or not. Do you think the Phillies have already played their worst stretch of baseball for the season? I, I mean, I would think so simply because of, you know, they should be healthier. Um, you know, Ranger Suarez missed a month, and then he really, really struggled in the first half a month to a month back. Yeah. Uh, Harper, you think, should get a little bit better. Uh, Turner's starting to turn it around. Schwarber's heating up. And if you look at the the quality of opponents, you know, the, the uh, two teams in front of them, the Marlins and Braves, have played just on paper a much easier schedule, not to mention that the Phillies right now have played 12 more road games and home games, and their home record is much, much better than on the road. So on who, paper, who, at least, who everything. Just play? Who did the Phillies just play? <laughs> the A's. Okay, let's move on then. How, how the Braves do against them? Well, that's what I'm saying, Mike. You're, you're talking about easy schedule, easy schedules. Well, I mean, it's finally you're starting coming, to turn around. But well, I mean, you're they, coming off a series against the Oakland Athletics, who are attempting to be the worst team in baseball history. True, but I mean, the Phillies have already played all their games against the Dodgers. They've played half their games against the Giants, who are surging. Uh, they've already played some of the better teams in the AL East. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Like nobody's going to argue that the Braves haven't had, especially in June. I mean. Yeah. Mike, the Braves, the last three series, uh, 10 games total here. Or let's see, 11 games total. Three, six. I'm bad at math, Mike. 10 games total. <laughs> three versus the Nationals, three versus Detroit, four versus Colorado. And they've finally started to take care of business. <laughs> well, they were taking care of business before that. But, yeah, they're coming off a really, really easy stretch. And, they, and look, they did exactly what you would hope good teams would do. Um I, I Although I do notice that you uh, conveniently left out taking three out of four on the road against the NOS leading Diamondbacks. Are the Diamondbacks for real, bro? I mean, they're good. They're not bad. I don't know if they're going to have staying power. The Dodgers just are that unkillable nightmare out there. But the Diamondbacks are definitely not bad. Yeah, it's a weird um, – the standings are weird right now because – and it's after June 1st, so you're allowed to look at the standings. Uh, like – the teams that we thought would be sellers aren't quite sellers yet. The Pirates haven't, you know, gotten bad enough where they're sellers mm -hmm. yet. The Diamondbacks haven't gotten bad enough where they're sellers yet. The, the Reds are on fire. The Reds are absolutely tearing the league apart since they can we up. can we do a quick sidebar on uh, De La Cruz? Yeah, he's a stud, dude. He's a stud. Oh man, just fun baseball to watch. The NL Central shortstop uh, future. High on that, buy buy stock in that now because O'Neill Cruz, mm -hmm. uh, who who would have ever thought he'd be the second best Cruz at shortstop in that division? Yeah, I mean, think of what would happen if he was still healthy with Cabrian Hayes over there at third on that left side of the infield for the Pirates. Yeah, McCutcheon back, dude. They're kind of nice. Anyway, so a lot of those teams are, like haven't reached a point where they're selling yet. They may never reach that point. I know in like brave circles at least the people that I talk to, the people I read, people I listen to, the Marlins are like, they're always mentioned. And here we are, you know, like 10 minutes into this thing. And we're just now mentioning the second place, Miami Marlins. Like do Phillies fans, uh, Phillies writers broadcast, like are, are anybody on the Phillies side taking the Marlins serious or are they just watching the Braves win um, loss every night? 
Because I know we're not watching. I, it doesn't feel like Braves fans are watching the results of Miami's games all that closely. It's still the Phillies that they're watching every night to see if they win or lost. Yeah, I think that's – I wouldn't say a loaded question, but kind of a, a tough question to answer from a Phillies fan's perspective because last year they, they got the better of the Marlins when the Marlins were actually showing some signs of life. But they've got a long way to go to, to heal some scars because in – uh, both uh, 2020 in the in the shortened year and in 21, the Marlins were an objectively bad team. Yeah, yeah. And the Phillies just could not get rid of them, and their record versus the Marlins could easily be pinpointed as a reason why they didn't make the playoffs in either of those two years, especially when uh, I think the second weekend of the 2020 season when they rebooted everything, the Marlins were the first team to have a, a team-wide COVID outbreak that – basically jammed up the Phillies' schedule for the entire rest of the year. It made oh, yeah, them miss like six that. games in a row. And so the uh, the affectionate term for the Phillies, uh, for the Marlins, for the year or two after that was the plague fish. So <laughs> there's the, uh, still some of that bouncing around on the internet. But That uh, was the best team of the Derek Jeter era. Yeah. The team that played like 50 games. When they only have to play 60, you only have to win like 30, right? Yeah, dude, they made the playoffs, didn't they? I mean, they everyone did. made the playoffs. They, they, I guess. Well, they won. Uh, they won a series too against the Cubs. Um, fan graphs right now, uh, before play on Tuesday, or I should say before play on Monday. Uh, I think the Marlins are playing Monday. Um, Phillies and Braves both idle. Miami is forty-one and thirty-one. Philadelphia thirty-eight and thirty-four. They just don't like playing that many baseball games. Um, 38 and 34 for the Phillies, Mike. What percentage do you think Fangraphs gives them of making the playoffs? All right. Uh, you can trust that this is an honest guess because I do not follow Fangraphs. I know that about I would, you. I would say right now I give them 40%. Okay. They got them at 49.1%. Oh, that's. Now, yeah, what do you okay. think the Marlins' chances of making the playoffs are? I'd say probably in the mid to high 30s. How about 49.8%? So what Fangraphs really? is telling you essentially is that they believe one of those two teams is going to win a wild card spot and the other one is not. Like that's what they're essentially wow. telling you. So and, like, and the numbers kind of make sense that way. I mean, that's kind of how, especially over the last two weeks, how it's gone is uh, you had a big modal mess two weeks ago. And now you've had everybody catch fire over the last two weeks. I mean, look at the Braves, the Phillies, the Marlins, the Reds, the Giants. I think all five of those teams have won 11 or 12 games out of their last 15. Yeah. And yes. so it, it, it kind of hasn't, you know, if you're a Phillies fan, you're looking up like, oh, we're 13 and two over the last 15, and we haven't gained a single game on the Braves, which can be demoralizing. But you've also jumped so many teams that were clogging up the path in the, the wild card chase as of two weeks ago. And that really is what the, the difference is. You got to just make sure that you're on the good side of that line. And I think the Marlins, I mean, I think the Marlins will fade. But I do, and I also think that like Yuri Perez, their number one prospect and one of the brighter pitching prospects in all of baseball, like they can say all they want that there's no innings limit. They're not going to push that guy down the stretch to try to win the third wild card spot. Like if I know the Marlins franchise, they're not going to do that. 
Oh, I think that's any front office in baseball anymore. Like you can't get, you, you might get the no comment on innings limits, but everybody puts on the brakes sooner rather than later. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean like the Phillies, for instance, like if they had, a, they don't have a guy in this situation, but if they did like, well, they've got Andrew Painter who might come up and make a splash as a reliever. But at the beginning of the year, they were talking about him maybe being a fifth starter until he got shut down with right. some arm issues and now there's still some talk that he might get up but it would be in a very limited bullpen role like it might be a you know you remember david price's first season um with the with the rays where he was only ever going to be a starter but for that first year he wasn't quite ready yeah. but all of a sudden in the playoffs he's coming out of the pen throwing gas at you braves did the same thing with max free too so they're exactly yeah, precedent for that um well, you remember adam wainwright you know uh former braves prospect he did the same thing with the cardinals to to get them to the world series oh yeah i forgot about that he, he mm-hmm. was um same exact thing they knew he was going to be a stud but he was wasn't quite ready for that team but he was just ready enough to uh, i believe that carlos beltran is still standing frozen in the box on that final uncle charlie <laughs> from that nlcs against the Mets. oh those poor guys too the cardinals were just there in 04 Wainwright as the closer, Carpenter, great number one starter. And then they ran into the Red Sox and just got bulldozed. <laughs> Four-game sweep. Uh, it was all crafted by the uh, Hollywood elites. They had to get Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Drew Barrymore onto the field. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we know how they like to – we know how the Hollywood elite <laughs> <laughs> like to do. Um, all right, well, let's talk, uh, let's talk about this series. I think the number one thing uh, – like storyline wise, Mike has to be the the Strider versus Suarez game Tuesday night. Strider's first time pitching back in Philadelphia since that NLDS debacle. Um, his last three outings, Mike, he's got a nine ERA, which is yeah, um, what is going on? Which is not good. Uh, Ranger Suarez last three outings a point nine ERA, so that is really good as far as I'm concerned. So two pitchers going the opposite way. I, I think for Strider people that are watching the Braves, like he's still racking up the strikeouts. But the thing mm-hmm. is, it's like, he hasn't learned to, he, he just never has like a 12 pitch inning. He never has two ground outs and a punch out. Like it's just always something with him. And, and it's all it, gas, no breaks. And if you can lay off just enough to get guys on base, those pitches rack up. It, well, yeah. And the Phillies, especially last year, the way that lineup was built was like, damn, this is the exact opposite of the lineup that Strider can attack. But I will say this, like having something to prove for a guy like Strider seems like a good thing. So it seems like like he's not going to tell you that this uh, June start on a Tuesday night in Philly means more than another start, but it does. I mean, everyone knows that it does. He wants to go out and prove something in front of that crowd. Oh, absolutely. The, like did the Phillies – like did the Phillies – Talk, like, are you guys talking about that at all? Phillies fans? Like, is that a storyline that Strider's coming back for the first time? You know, you can get on me for being a homer. And granted, I want I you to be a homer. At some point, I want but, you to be. But, I, I mean, there's there's no doubting it. Last year, going into the playoffs, the Braves were huge favorites. Yep. And then the Phillies stole a game uh, in Atlanta with Ranger Suarez pitching. And the Braves, you know, from what I could tell from my home base here just north of Truist Park – was that they were still pretty comfortable. They thought it's fine. You know, we're going to Philly, but we have Spencer Strider. He's going to blow through people. And then I'm not going to say the crowd got to him. The Phillies got to him. Reese Hoskins got to him. 
they're still trying to dig that bat out of the ground by the on deck <laughs> circle. But you know, that that's a thing that for as much crap as Phillies fans take, and sometimes deservedly so, they can be pretty brutal, but they're also smart and they remember that very well too. So if you're Spencer Strider, you're kidding yourself if you think you're getting anything other than the absolute A plus game of every one of those fans on Tuesday. So which could be a good developmental thing for him too. If he goes out and shuts him up, you know, good for him. And it's going to be a big, uh, you know, feather in his cap and maybe something to, to reverse the last couple starts. But I, I really think you're going to see a playoff atmosphere there. John Carr, John Carr real estate with Seaport real estate in Savannah is a sponsor here on the hot Grits podcast. And he is your guy. If you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Savannah area. If there was a, a Hot Grits Podcast Real Estate Agent of the Year, John Carr would be three-time champ of that award. So call him, text him today, tell him we sent you, 912-228-0916. Yeah, I just wonder if this is the series where we see some where, where something happens after a game where, you know, like Strider goes out and throws eight shutty. Then after the game, he says, you know, he says something that pisses Phillies fans off or he goes out and gets shelled. Uh, and then, you know, a Philly, you know, Bryce Harper comes out and says something that pisses Atlanta Braves fans off. Like this feels like that kind of series that could vault, vault us into the summer. Look, the Phillies and Braves don't play again until shit, sep- September 12th. Yeah, it's going to get hairy down the stretch because they barely played at all. And they are going to be sick of each other by the end of September. But yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this is like a show me series for, I mean, they come in two and two against each other. Like I said, they both beat up on pretty bad teams. It's it's sort of a show me series right now. Um, I I think for the Braves fans, like, I think the NL East feels comfy right now. And Mm -hmm. like, that doesn't mean it's over, but when you're playing this well and you're leading the division, um, uh, by the way, Mike, a nugget real quick. You, is your nugget pocket empty? Uh, hang on. Yep, yep, we're good. Right, Everything's in the right pocket. Left pocket's open. Okay, I'm gonna drop a nugget in there real quick. The Braves have played 69 games in um, in first place out of their 72, so that's nice. Nice. Yeah, so 69 of their games have been played out of the first place position. Like that feels comfy, but like they need to prove that they can beat a team like Philly in a best of three on the road. Like you're not asking for a sweep here, but if they go out and the Braves lose two of three, all people are going to say is, well, yeah, you can beat the Tigers, you can beat the Rockies, and you can beat the Nats, but you can't beat the Phillies in a two out of three? Yeah, that kind of plays into what my thoughts were when you started that point, is that if it's possible for a team to be playing with house money while down eight games in the division, that might be what the Phillies are dealing with right now because they've done – the hard work of digging out from, you know, five, six games out of the last wild card spot to now being right in it. So obviously you can't get swept by your main rival in your division. That would be a disaster. That would be cause for concern. Uh, but if they, you know, have a good showing and if they win the series, not that it's going to make the Braves sweat, they're going to worst case scenario, the Braves walk out of there with a five game lead. And like you said, they don't have to deal with the Phillies for another month or so. So the, the Braves don't have too much to lose, yet at the same time, if the Phillies get the idea that they might be in the Braves' head a little bit, then I don't think that that game's back number is going to matter too much because 
they're the ones that proven they could do it last year. And the Braves, granted, you know, they're the 2021 world champs. But, you know, last year when they had the chance to have the target on their back and they were the best team for the entire year, they didn't quite finish the drill. And that's where, you know, if you're me trying to stir up some shit, it's like, well, you know, they are a good team. That's undoubtedly so. And they still have the lead no matter what and a comfortable lead at that. But can they really handle an entire season, like you said, playing from in front the whole time? Can they make it not just to the regular season wire, but all the way across the finish when everyone knows how good they are from the jump? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about like astronomical. Like for me, this is the best Braves team. Oh, I think so I've too. Seen. This is the best Braves team I've seen since the mid 90s, easily. And even then, it's like, if you really want to try to compare those, like this team stacked up against those teams, it really doesn't even comp as far as the lineup goes. Like the lineup of this Braves team is is the best I've ever seen, I think, period. And, and honestly, I think that's why most Phillies fans who really read into the team, they're probably glad that Rangers the first one to get a crack at them because the Braves kind of feast off of guys like Nola and Wheeler. Not that those guys can't shut you down if they bring their A game, but Suarez is the one that'll just dance around you. He's the one, not like a knuckleballer, but he's going to be all around the plate, but throwing enough strikes to keep you swinging and keeping those far enough away from the barrel of the bat to keep the Braves from hitting all these 460 foot home runs. Man, that's what they've been doing. They've scored. The Braves have five plus runs and 13 out of their last 15 coming into this Philly series. They're uh, exactly plus 100 uh, in scoring differential. And for reference, Mike, we said Fangraphs gives the Phillies a roughly 49% chance of making the playoffs. They give the Braves a 99.5%. Oh, God. Okay. There you go. Yeah. I mean, if you're the Phillies, the the plan's simple. Just keep them off the bases because they are going to hit the ball and they're going to hit it hard. So just make sure that there's as little damage as possible when that happens. I find myself thinking, Mike, while we're talking about this, like, like, does winning the NL East even fucking matter? Like, does it matter at all? I mean, we don't have enough sample size with this new format, but like, shit, if anyone knows that the wild card is an avenue, it's not, it's not a, uh, a death sentence by any means. Well, it's the Phillies. Yeah. I mean, even though they got out of it last year, I can tell you from personal experience that the third wild card spot, while everybody's going to be happy to get in, whoever gets that third spot, it's not fun because you've got three games, possibly three games, all on the road, and you got to win two of them. And yeah, it's going to be like against Russ versus Rust. Yeah, and it's going to be against a you know a, a team that's better than you, or at least has been in the regular season wins and losses wise. So, yeah, you I, I don't even it. think it's a rest versus Rust. It's just a you know, chances are that whoever gets the third wild card spot, not only is not the best team in the National League but probably had to be grinding tooth and nail throughout the last week. They're not cruising in. They're not getting guys rest. And your reward is you have to go on the road, possibly to a division winner uh, and have to win two out of three on the road there. So um, better to be playing think, than not playing, but still tough. Who's the second best team in the national league? Uh, right now I'd say. No, 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 not right now. Like you're a Phillies fan and you can't pick the Braves, but Give I mean, Braves are the best that, team in the National League. That's give me one not team really that you don't right want to play in the playoffs right now. You don't want to play in the playoffs if you're the Phillies National League. Because there's nobody that scares me at all. Yeah, I mean, 
if you're saying right now, um, it's tough to say because, you know, the Dodgers are in a little bit of a swoon. The Phillies just took care of the Diamondbacks. I, I think it's going to be the Dodgers when it comes down to it. They, they just have too many guys, kind of like we talked about depth earlier. They just have too many. They, they never run out of guys. They might run out of superstars, but they never run out of people that can hurt you. Yeah, and I wonder, like, somebody's got to make the first move here, like, in the trade market. I mean, we're still – Oh, can we talk about that? Because there have been some delicious rumors on the Phillies front. Yeah, give me some rumors because that's what I'm thinking. It's like, you know that the trades are going to happen. And I'm not talking about, you know, picking up a triple-A left-handed arm. Right, I'm talking right. About You're talking about trades. big moves. Yeah, and yeah. risks taken. Future, yeah. future Wade versus present. You would think that the Braves, the Phillies, the, the Braves Mets, need some bullpen help. They need bullpen help, and they can't. You can't waste a team like this. Like when yeah. a team is this good, you gotta go. You gotta go all in, and that's what I meant. Like the Marlins aren't gonna. If they get forty over five hundred, they're never gonna be that team this year where they're going all in. Yeah. Whereas the Braves are squarely in the window. You would think. Hell, the Phillies couldn't be more in their window outside of you know the Hoskins injury. They're right where they wanted to be. Yep. Um, the Dodgers certainly. The Padres have, are obviously Do they dire have the, straits. How can they possibly spend more money though? Well, I mean, and if they I, do yeah, spend more money, where could they put it? I, I wonder. So, but like, so we'll talk about the trade rumors quickly. But like, who are the teams in the National League that are? certain sellers as of right now. I guess St. Louis is trending towards that. Yeah, they are. I think uh, Colorado, although they've got some but pieces they want to keep, I think. Do they have anyone that's a – like I'm trying to think. Like St. Louis has some guys on that roster that can be difference makers on a World Series team. Mm-hmm. Like the Rockies don't – they don't put that in my mind. I mean, yeah, they've got a guy like McMahon, but I don't think he's touchable. No. Um, but like like man, the the And I don't of, think the Pirates even if they drop off like people think they will, I think that they believe in their core and they're not going to sell off any of the big guys. No, they wouldn't. I wonder if they would come off McCutcheon even though he's signed there to uh, kind well, of Yeah, there. but he'd be like he'd be easily the most expendable guy. Bednar, their closer. I don't know if he's healthy, but he's yeah. Bullpen solid. pieces are always a, a pretty easy pick off if you really want some help there. Uh, and then they have some arms too. You got Flaherty, Montgomery, uh, uh, and then utility guys. They have uh, the Cardinals have Edmund, Brendan Donovan. Uh, well, I can I can tell you right now from reading around the uh, the Phillies rumor mill, there's a guy from the Cardinals that's a lot bigger name than that that they're thinking might be the guy. I've heard Goldschmidt at first base. That's and that, the guy. that would be a very Dombrowski move. What would yeah, Philly? That's would Philly what Dombrowski does. He gets big names. He spends big money. He goes to win now. Yeah, and then he gets fired and goes to the, an island somewhere and doesn't care. And, and takes a ring with him. <laughs> yeah, doesn't care. I respect the hell out of that. I mean, I, thank you, Dave Dombrowski. <laughs> but, but, it also ma- but it also makes sense. Goldschmidt with a contract winding down. Reese Hoskins, who he would be replacing, who's out with injury, who's also – a free agent after this year. So, so Hoskins it, would go back in that deal, even though he's a pending free agent. Well, no, not, not a trade. It's, it's the right now there's no one to fill that spot, but right now you got Cody Clemens playing first base for him. So if you have Goldschmidt as a bit of a rental and then you can bide your time to see what you're going to do in the off season, do you offer 
Reese Hoskins something below market value because he's got to prove himself after an injury. Right. You keep Goldschmidt on, who, you know, even Hoskins, as much as I like the guy, he's the longest tenured Philly on this team from this current era. You know, he's by charitable accounts a, a fair for, I wouldn't even say okay, fair first baseman. And Goldschmidt is almost as good a hitter, maybe a better hitter, better hitter average wise, almost as good power wise and elite defensively. Would the Phillies have to, in those rumors, would they be giving up anyone off the major league roster? I'd have, I'd have to look at where Goldschmidt is on his contract, but if this is his last year and the Cardinals keep going downhill, I don't think the price would be that high. They would probably have to give up one of their best uh, minor. They've got some studs in the minor leagues and they'd probably have to give up one of their best uh, starter prospects. Mm. But if they get to a winning position, I mean, I usually don't want to give away the farm, but I don't think you can turn that down if you're a game or two out in the middle of August. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, well, let's move on. Um, so Strider Suarez, Tuesday. We got the ass man going for the Braves. I don't know if you've seen him yet. Uh, another I'm home good, man. Well, that's fine. Once you no, see I'm just kidding. Kidding. Everybody's an ass man. man. You should be if you know what you're doing. Hey. This guy's good, Mike. He's super good. Have you seen him pitch yet? AJ's fucking guy that the Braves have brought up for the last 15 years has been good, and it infuriates me every single day of my life. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible the talent that they can develop, uh, especially with the art. Like, look, they've missed on guys, too. I think that's what a lot of people don't take into account. You got to fire the bullets if you want to ever hit anything, and you're going to miss a lot of times. You're going to miss on Mike Fultonovich. You're going to miss on Sean Newcomb. Mm-hmm. You're going to miss on Kobe Allard. You're going to miss on all these guys. Like, there are misses everywhere. Uh, you could even, like, but, but you hit on, you hit on Freed. You, you hit on Strider. You, you hit on, I mean, you can go Soroka, way back way farther than that. Like, I mean, it, Soroka without the injuries was exactly. I mean, he's an absolute hit uh, other than the injury, but I don't count that to to development. Yeah, yeah, neither do I. Um, uh, they developed Minter out of the bullpen, who like has his ups and downs, but he's been a, a big league left-handed arm for five plus years now. Speaking of a developed guy, did you know that Jire Jurgens has thrown some innings recently? What? That's what I heard. Wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about Julio Tehran? No, Jurgens. Oh, no, I hadn't heard Jair Jurgens, but have you seen what Julio Tehran's doing in Milwaukee? Oh, no. Is he throwing well? Dude, maybe got, maybe I have. I don't know. He got like a sub one ERA and five starts from Milwaukee. Maybe that was it. There's so many. There, like I said, you guys have developed so many good guys. Maybe I want Julio Tehran back in Atlanta so bad. I want him back. Nobody besides maybe Luke Jackson, no Braves player was ever hated more than Braves fans for a longer, lengthier time than Julio Tehran. What about, can I sell you on a Dan Kolb? Ooh. <laughs> Kolb, man. The Kolb, man. I, I once went to a Braves game with a buddy of mine who's a diehard Braves fan, and there was a silent auction going on, and there was a Dan Kolb sign ball. <laughs> And he actually put in a bid on it, and I'm like, you're wasting your time. <laughs> Even if you wanted, as soon as you picked it up, some other batter would just hit it 400 feet out of your hand. Yeah, I'm surprised the ball didn't have a dent in it. <laughs> fucking yeah, they got, they got it out of the uh, the retention pond out by the uh, maintenance shed. All right, Mike, uh, let's wrap up here. What, uh, what are your predictions here? Two games, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. 
Braves, Phillies. Oh, man. I, I really think that you're going to see a playoff atmosphere. The Phillies fans are going to show up in force. Um, I would almost worry, especially with the Phillies winning 13 out of their last 15, that it's almost, you know, redlining, getting too high, which could lead to two things. That means if you win the first game, it could really uh, pump them up and go over the edge and maybe get two or three. Or it could be that if they get to the Braves get to Ranger in the first game, could make for a little bit of a letdown, like a, hey, as good as we were going, we're not quite there yet. I'm going to say, I'm going to say that it's a very even series and the Phillies crowd carries them to two out of three. I think I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to pick two out of three for the Phillies. I'll I'll caveat it with this. If Ranger throws well in the first game and they get the win, Phillies won't sweep, but they'll get two out of three. Okay, so you heard it here first. If the Phillies win game one uh, of a three-game series, they could win two out of three from Mike Anthony. I don't know of too many teams in baseball that could win three straight from the Braves. No, except the A's who almost did. (laughs) Yeah, but they didn't, Mike. Quit bringing that up. And you can't sweep the Braves if you don't win the first one. And you heard that here first. True, true. All right, Mikey, you're the man. Appreciate you joining us, man. Yeah, man. Just uh, let me know what the summer internship hours are. I've got some class hours, some scheduling conflicts coming up in August. So, you know, you just get me get me the the schedule there. Well, we'll let you know. The Phillies will be far <laughs> enough back where it'll be uh, training camp time for your Steelers. So you'll probably be more of a football <laughs> man by then. There we go. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. Yeah, man. The Lady and Sons Restaurant, a segment sponsor here on the Hot Grits Podcast, 102 West Congress Street. Lady and Sons, you guys probably know the name, Paula Dean, Jamie Dean. Uh, They have their restaurant, obviously, at 102 West Congress Street, but then the store right next door, literally right next door to the restaurant, also on Congress Street, open seven days a week, 11 to 9 monday through thursday and then 11 to 10 on friday and saturdays 912-233-2600 912-233-2600 is the number for lady and sons find them on facebook and ladyandsons.com so there you have it mike and i both picking two out of three for the phillies uh, i did that for braves country i sacrificed my pick so the Braves would win two out of three. Because if I pick the Phillies to win two out of three, that means the Bravos are winning two out of three. Okay, so you're welcome ahead of time. You know how to reach me. I was going to talk NBA, but we'll save it. I was going to talk NBA draft Thursday night. We'll save it. The U.S. Open, boy, that was a snoozer, wasn't it? I wanted Ricky Fowler or Rory or or DJ or Cam Smith or – Shoffway or anybody besides Wendy Clark. I mean, has there ever been a name in the history of sports that has fit the athlete more than Wyndham Clark? Wyndham Clark. I mean, you could just, you just know he was born behind, uh, he was born in a gated community for sure. Um, I'm going to guess that he grew up in the, a guy named Wyndham grew up in the type of family where um, all the brothers and sisters were the same thing. 
to school and to church. Like the mom and dad think it's cute to dress up the, uh, the kid. Like that's a Wyndham to me. Wyndham barely even knew him. U.S. Open snooze, L.A. Country Club snooze, uh, one major left on the calendar. It's the British Open. It's not the Open. You guys know my stance on that. So we'll get to that later this summer. Um, tough to believe three of the majors, three of the four majors are gone already. The NBA draft on Thursday, I think, will be more interesting than most years, especially for non-hoop heads. Because I think that it's going to be one of those weeks where a lot of action is happening outside of the draft, within the draft, if that makes sense. So guys that are already in the league getting moved on or around draft day, I could see potentially happening. I mean, Indiana at 7, they're thinking about moving their pick. Dallas at 10, thinking about moving their pick. The Hawks at 15. They're bringing in a guy from Kentucky for a workout. His name escapes me. Um, but sort of a defensive-minded guard, high motor. Tw- I mean, this is just what I read about him. Like, really, really high motor. Um, you know, and shoot. I think he shoots like 38% beyond the arc. So it's a defensive-minded guard. For me, the, the Hawks can't. I mean, they just every year it's just like they're just going to draft another ACC guy or draft another Duke guy that's kind of like a three, could be a four, and they're going to get really nothing out of them. The A.J. Griffin treatment, essentially. The Cam Reddish treatment. And honestly, in my opinion, the DeAndre Hunter treatment, he ain't nothing special. Kevin Herter out of Maryland. They love the ACC and SEC guys that just don't pan out. But I think the Kentucky guy will. And I don't even remember his name. Damian Lillard, keep an eye on him. He could get moved. Stuff out of Celtics camp. Grant Williams, one of the guards for the Celtics, probably going to get moved soon. Is it Brogdon? Maybe. Pritchard? Maybe. Is it Derek White? I don't think so. Marcus Smart? Maybe. I don't think so. They don't seem interested in trading Jalen Brown. Damian Lillard is a guy that I think is is still out there. I mean, we all know about the Phoenix Suns Bradley Beal acquisition. That does nothing for me. I mean, the Suns to me before that trade weren't all that close to Denver. And by adding Bradley Beal, a guy that's played 30 games in three years, I don't, I don't know that they got that much closer. I think Kevin Durant's just committed to playing on a super team, no matter what. No matter what. All right, let's wrap it up here. Um, HGP CDOTW. It's not a death of the week, but Spencer, one-time co-host on this podcast, Spencer Maddox, uh, is leaving Savannah, moving with his girlfriend uh, to Florida. She got a job down there. Uh, he got a job down there. Um, and I, after recording this, I'm going to their going away party. He's leaving next week to move to Florida for good. He still never caddied for me for all those wondering. He never caddied for me. Um, and I I think in his heart of hearts, he still believes 
the Trey Young is the chosen one, and the and the, the Atlanta Hawks are, are headed in the right direction. God bless him. God bless him. I'll miss him here in Savannah. It's not an HGP celebrity death of the week, but for moving, I, I think he deserves a nod here. So, so long, Spencer, and so long to you guys. We'll see you next week on episode 164. Stay safe. Wash your hands, yep, filthy animals. Savannah's premier indoor baseball training facility, SBPA, is owned and operated by Ross Howard, and together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year-round for baseball and softball players, full-length batting cages, pitching mounds, and a state-of-the-art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the Academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282 and visit the Savannah Baseball Performance Academy on Facebook for programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility, Ross Howard, our guy. Give him a call, 912-484-5282.